All right, we're back with another episode of ICO Alert Roundtable. We have a very special guest with us today. I don't know if you've noticed, but now Q and myself. Hey. How are you doing today, Q? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're the hosts of the ICO Alert Roundtable, aren't we? We try. We try. Yeah, we're still rookies, but we have a crafty veteran in yes. the house with us today. His name is Mr. Rob Finch. How are you doing, Rob? I'm great. How are you? Doing pretty solid today, Rob. We just wanted to kind of go through a little introduction of, of for the people that didn't listen uh, to the roundtable when yeah. you were hosting uh, and have recently come onto the roundtable because the quality's improved so much uh, with us taking over. Uh, <laughs> All different show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, if you could just speak on that. Yeah, so I have moved on since uh, from ICO Alert to Cypherglass, which if you haven't heard is an EOS block producer candidate. So basically like one of the miners on the Bitcoin network, but for EOS, which is an up-and-coming cryptocurrency. Um, we're actually in the process of launching the mainnet right now. It's kind of a crazy process, but um, I realized, I guess, fairly early on into the Cypherglass process that it was going to be a full-time job. Mm. Um, and it just made sense for, for me to focus on that rather than focusing on both. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Dude, I'm totally in my fingers with uh, EOS right now. Yeah. Yeah, we're waiting. There are two separate groups right now. So we've all, all of the block producers around the world have signed the mainnet launch pledge mm -hmm. to basically launch one mainnet so that there aren't a bunch of different mainnets that go live. Interesting. And confusion, like forks, like Bitcoin Cash. Um, but within that group that's in agreement that we all need to launch the same chain, half of them are kind of ready to launch. And I think we're in that group. And then the other half are like, oh, no, we need to do more testing, like security validation, mm. more DDoS testing, which we did and we passed. Um I guess yesterday. Um, but so yeah, we'll see. It, it, at the very latest, I think we'll be live within a week. That's kind of a deadline that we've all set. Mm. But hopefully it's much, much sooner than a week because I don't yeah. want to wait that long and I don't think anybody else does either. I don't think we do. So this is actually an amazing segue to something that's been going on that started in the office and has now grown into sort of a viral marketing campaign for <laughs> ICO Alert, Cypherglass, EOS in general. And we have, for the first time ever on air, yeah. The two, uh, either end of the EOS million dollar bet. So that did happen. And Q, there's a lot of people online that are asking, you know, they want to hear your perspective on the bet because we've gotten Rob's perspective. We want to, we wanted to know what you have to say about this. How do you feel about it? I feel great about the bet. I want to address, first of all, the people that think it's a fake bet after yeah. you came into the office and videotaped me. Yeah, totally ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know why we would make a fake bet. There are like 15 witnesses that work at ICO Alert that are all yeah. have all seen this thing happen. Exactly. So for those of you listening that also uh, have seen that video, it's not a fake bet. Uh, I think we made the bet in February of 2018. Are we good there? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think it was February. February. And uh, I mean, I'll let you speak on the bet, but I, I, I've had a great time with it, honestly. It, regardless, I'm, regardless of... Which way it goes, I couldn't be more uh, more happy with with how the video turned out, and yeah, uh, yeah I'm excited. Yeah, the, the comments are hilarious. We were talking about those before the podcast. <laughs> there was one, my favorite one was, uh, you should have bet $1,000 that EOS would hit a million, because then at least you would only lose $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of comments on there. Some are very vulgar, some, you know, it's, it's what you'd assume yeah. when, you're, when you get the YouTube trolls going. I've never been blessed enough to be in a YouTube video with 27,000 views in three days. Feels good. But I got to tell, whenever I'm like stressed out and I need some comic relief, I just scroll through the YouTube trolls and oh my God, they've had me in tears quite a few times. So I don't know how you guys take it because they're talking about both of you guys, but 
to me, it's fucking hilarious. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> there was one that confused me that I guess I may have been accidentally offending a whole group of people because there are all these comments like, this guy points too much. Like, fuck this guy. All this pointing. Oh, like, there's, yeah. <laughs> and I, I learned apparently in some parts in Asia, it's offensive to point. Like, it oh. means you're trying to fight. It's like the equivalent of getting in somebody's face. So they're like, I don't like this guy. He's a little too aggressive pointing. Have that's you just heard, how I gesture. Have you heard that from your wife? I have not, but that's actually really interesting because I did see some comments that say like, why is he pointing? And I went back and watched the video and it wasn't like you were blatantly, uh, yeah. Eos, here yeah, we are, yeah, yeah. glass. And I was like, what are they talking about? So Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Ed, Ev's wife is Chinese. So I, I just wonder if you had, you, you haven't heard that at all from, or from being over there? I've never heard that. I'm Me just being in China is offensive because of just my <laughs> sheer size. And when I walk down the street, everybody's just looking at me. And it's just, I'm just like a, you know, sticking out like a, like a whatever. Like a white guy in China. Like a white guy in China, exactly. Nice. And I'm huge, so everybody's just staring at me. So, so yeah. So, how do you guys feel, like, personally, though? Like, about the, does it bother you, like, any of the trolls? I mean, just aside from the EOS bet, like, having people online, strangers online talking about you. Because I've always wondered, like, yeah. famous people, if you post a picture on Instagram, there's a million people that comment, good, bad, mm -hmm. and everywhere in between. Like, how does it make you feel any different? Or are you just like, I don't give a shit? Yeah, I think Rob would would probably uh, because most of the vitriol is pointed at him because <laughs> he's the one putting himself out there saying it's gonna hit a thousand by twenty eighteen. So oh, you can speak on that. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really bother me. I did a uh, hundred days of vlogging, like experimenting on YouTube, and got a bunch of horrible comments then. So I think I'm past that point where it bothers me. It's more just it's just funny. I used to watch those. Yeah, I was one of those. That was one of those viewers. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. they're all unlisted. Finchify. Yeah, oh, I tried yeah. to look them up lately, yeah, they're and they're not there. They're gone. So never find. <laughs> so for the people that actually hadn't heard of the details of the bet, what's what's the actual bet? So the actual bet is that if EOS hits $1,000 by the end of this year, 2018, uh, Q pays me a million dollars in EOS, so 1,000 EOS. And mm -hmm. then the other way, it's also denominated in 1,000 EOS. So if it hits $900, I pay him $900,000 worth of EOS. Yeah. Because it's the, whatever the current price is times 1,000. That's what got me most upset, I think. Go, getting back to your question about the trolls, that's what got me most upset about the trolls was that they were all like, this isn't a million-dollar bet. It's a 1,000 EOS bet. I'm like, I'm paying him a million dollars if it hits 2018. Yeah, exactly. So factually, it's a million-dollar bet. Yeah. There were people who were upset that we could hedge against the bet, against losing the bet by buying a 1,000 EOS now. Yeah. I was like, why are you going to be upset that somebody can hedge against a bet? Yeah, exactly. It's weird. I think the thing that made me upset more than just like the outright insults, I thought the insults were funny. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that made me upset was like the conspiracy theorists who were like, this is just a shill. This uh, is like, this isn't real. I was like, that made me more upset than the insults yeah. because yeah. I was like, you don't know. You don't, you, I mean, we had a video where you're on a podcast. You yeah. guys are both together. Exactly. Someone was like, there's no way we could ever prove that this money actually changed hands. And I wanted to comment like, yeah, if only there was some kind of like decentralized ledger where we could also tell like where money was moving. Man, we should put thing. that into a smart contract. Possibly, oh, yeah. we should definitely do that. I'm definitely on board. Once EOS launches, we'll uh, we'll put it yeah. in a smart contract. Let the oh, people see. I'm good. I'm good with that. Yeah, we can hook it up to what it's the Binance EOS Bitcoin pair. Yeah, I what that's we agreed a, that on. was the agreed upon. Yeah. Uh, we even have a pair in a particular exchange, so this exactly. is a serious bet. This is serious. It was so serious that Rob decided that he wanted to hide me at the end of his video like I was part of an Avengers movie. <laughs> you you got to watch past the credits. <laughs> yeah, you have to watch past the credits to see me, please. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, so the next thing I think we wanted to get into, uh, I think you guys already spoke about it before the podcast, but what happened with that guy in Mount Everest uh, 
with the cryptocurrency. Uh... Yeah, so big news. I actually saw this first on uh, the front page of Reddit News. So this is news outside of cryptocurrency. Whether you think it's good for cryptocurrency overall or not, I don't know. But apparently, um, Ask FM, uh, they tried to do some promotional stunt with cryptocurrency where they took a Ledger uh, Nano S and they climbed up a mountain, uh, Mount Everest, actually, to be exact. <laughs> yeah, the mountain. <laughs> the mountain of the world. Don't know if you've heard of it. It's pretty big. And they got to the top or whatever, and they planted this <laughs> Nano uh, ledger and it had 500,000 uh, what was the ticker symbol 500,000 ASKT which we looked up on coin checkup can't even find it on coin checkup it might be on uh, coin market cap I'm checking now so we're trying to figure out what the price is apparently this team had a sherpa his name was um lamb babu sherpa sorry if i'm butchering your name and uh he he died on his way down. They actually left him on the mountain. So that's like mainstream news right now. Yeah. But usually, uh, if people start to show signs of like at the very top, obviously if it, people start to show signs of like, they're not going to make it down, you can't help them. Like it's unreal because what? if you, ex if you expend energy at that high of a level, you're not making it back. Oh fuck. Yeah. So that's probably what happened. It's not like they left him behind on accident. It was that, he wasn't going to make it, and you can't do anything. Well, what was the price of the token? It says on CoinMarketCap, it says Ask Coin. Uh, it's a dollar sign with a question mark. So. Okay. So I was going to say, couldn't they just get like a helicopter up there to help them down? But they probably can't even afford that right now no, because can, you can't fly up there either. Really? No, you can't. The atmosphere, it's, it's like you're, you're, you're almost in space. Like that's how crazy. Like humans don't live up there. Like I'm serious. Wherever it is, and I don't, I don't know the exact details. Of the stratosphere. Have you considered levels. climbing Everest? You know a lot about this. Listen, man, I love hearing those stories. The the bodies on Everest. Have you heard about that? How many the, are there? Uh, maybe hundreds. There's, hundreds. They, some of them get left as landmarks. So as you're passing it, you see this person that's completely frozen. You can't take them down. Because to take them down would mean expending energy, and you can't. Oh my god! You can't fly up there because the atmosphere is too thin. I think. Can't you like throw the body on a sled and just? I think they've tried, but just like picking up the body, it's it's nuts, man. I'm not gonna. I've scaled Everest multiple times. All right, guys. So is there like a tourist map with like your your uh, yeah. checkpoints on the way Look up. It like, up? Here lies Dan Smith. We know we're about a ten thousand feet from the summit. On your computer right now, search green boots. Okay, thumbs up. I'll look it up right now. It's kind of spooky. I yeah. just don't know why anybody would... I understand why these people want to have to plant a ledger, but who in their right mind is going to go up there to claim 500,000 shit coins? It's not worth anything. Yeah, exactly. It's probably worth $5. Even if it was worth something, the liquidity on that pair is not going to be enough <laughs> to sell all those tokens. <laughs> just sell it back to the owners, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. They should have put something real on there. Put yep. some Bitcoin or something. Interesting, man. You see it? Yeah, well, the first thing I searched when I searched green boots was actual boots that were the color green ah, they were trying to sell perfect. to me. Give me some of those. But then it came up with uh, green boots is the name given to an unidentified corpse of a climber that became a landmark on the northeast <laughs> ridge route of Mount Everest. So they don't even know who he is. Oh, there's a picture here. Yeah, there's a picture. Oh, so this is pretty modern because he's got ski boots and I think it was the 80s. Yeah, he looks like he's, he dressed like he was in the 80s. Yeah, exactly. So. 
Yeah, so uh, Ask FM not off to a real hot start with their promotions not, there. Not at all. Will his body, this is maybe too morbid, is he not going to ever decompose because he's frozen? Nope. That's so freaky. That's why he looks like that. Yeah. It looks like he just fell over yeah. um, 10 minutes ago and they yeah. took a picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to stop. Okay. <laughs> Moving <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Rob, have you, uh, man, this is a horrible segue. Moving on. Have you heard about uh, GitHub's acquisition uh, or uh, Microsoft's acquisition of GitHub? Yeah, for $7.5 billion. Yeah. yeah. Can you, do you know any details behind that uh, or I what that means? I mean, I know a lot of people are freaking out because they're like, oh, Microsoft's going to own all your private repos now, which is, I don't know, maybe there's some truth to that if they update their terms. But mm-hmm. I think anytime a giant, tech giant comes in and buys some company that like programmers really like that there's always going to be some kind of backlash yeah they're moving to uh GitLab's, correct yeah that's GitLab. Mm, okay yeah so from github to GitLab. i mean realistically most of those people will stay at github they're not going to move all their shit to GitLab. but mm-hmm. i think a lot will who have you know privacy concerns with microsoft working with the nsa and all these other people interesting admittedly so hmm. yeah so we'll see i don't know it's one of those things but it's also interesting and I guess maybe we can't comment on this because ICOs are like pre-product and pre-revenue a lot of the time. But <laughs> GitHub sold for $7.5 billion and has no revenue. Yeah. Not profitable. Well, mm. they, they do have some revenue, but they're not profitable through their like private repo subscriptions. What's their, what's their revenue from right now? It's from subscriptions. So if you want private repos, meaning like somebody can't just come up and take your code, you have to pay a monthly fee. And they have like a fee for a team. Like Cypherglass, we host all of our uh, like monitoring code and... Um, launch scripts and stuff like that on GitHub, but in, in a private repo so nobody can get it. Interesting indeed. We'll have to see how that plays out. I thought a more appropriate segue from the body on Mount Everest <laughs> would have been to talk about ICO ratings and how they're complete trash and they might as well be lifeless corpse uh, laying on a mountain in the world of ICOs and how we've recently seen that uh, a couple Large ICOs come under scrutiny, and I think some of those ICO rating companies out there, I'm not going to mention them by name, but I think they were rating them pretty high out there. Did you see anything about that, Q? Yeah, I saw that on Token Market Intel. They posted an article uh, about ratings from a scam coin. Uh, man, we it was actually the SEC up. actually charged, uh, it's called Titanium Blockchain Infrastructure Titanium Blockchain. Services, yep. Inc. I guess that was the, I don't know if that was the parent company. Um, it was called Titanium. And the ratings across the board were unreal, which it's, I don't understand why you would take ratings. If I came up to you and said, this industry has been around for 12 months. Do you want to take ratings from 12 anonymous people on the internet on whether to invest your money into something or not? Why would you ever think that was a good idea? Yeah, I think in theory, it it sounds like a good idea. You're kind of taking the community source like approach, right? You're trying to say, okay, these people in the community, maybe these people in the community that are also professionals in their space, they give a rating. But what it's what's happened is it's become bastardized and yeah. they're, they're completely taking advantage of it. Honestly, I think realistically what people want though is not that you should do this, but for people to tell them what to buy. Yeah. Like there are so many people who will go on Twitter or hop into a telegram and say, what should I buy? And somebody will tell them and they will just do it. And it blows my mind that these people are just like, oh, I don't want to do any research. I want to do as, as, you know, put in as little effort as possible to try and make money and then expect somebody to tell me something that's the right answer. So it's crazy. But I mean, I think a lot of people know that these ICO rating services are, people are paying them for these ratings. Yes. Like that titanium coin... Either the, the community sourced reviews 
owned some of that coin mm-hmm. and we're trying to pump it and maybe they got in the pre-sale and we're trying to pump the ICO or ICO rating themselves is getting paid for that rating. Yeah, and actually we get emails all the time from ICOs, obviously, uh, being the only comprehensive list of pre-ICOs and ICOs. <laughs> uh, we get we, Yeah, thanks for the plug. Okay. Um, we get emails all the time, actually, of ICOs that ask how much our ratings are. Um, so I know for a fact that these websites are, ch- are charging ICOs and I don't, I don't know the exact details, but I know that com- these, these companies are receiving money to rate these ICOs, which, and it's complete and utter nonsense. Yeah. They pretty much like use extortion for their ratings. So you're yeah. on our website, you're listed. Congratulations. You're a 2.5 out of five bottom yeah. of the list. No one gives a shit about you, but if you pay us, yeah. Maybe you'll be a 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, I think, Rob, did you talk to me first about Yelp? Was that the... Yeah, Yelp was caught doing this. I don't know to what extent, but there was this whole conspiracy theory where Yelp was basically, they set up a bunch of fake Yelp accounts, and they were putting bad reviews on restaurants all around the country, and then they would go to that restaurant and say, hey, by the way, if you advertise with us on Yelp, we can remove those bad reviews for you that Yelp themselves put there. So this was how Yelp was monetizing for a long time. There was a, a whole Yelp boycott. Some people paid into it to get their reviews fixed. But it's, it shows you also, I think, the problem with centralized systems like that. Mm-hmm. Like you think of Yelp and you're like, why would Yelp need to be decentralized? Well, that, that's why. Yeah. Because the people are abusing that platform and are financially incentivized to do so because they can get people to advertise to remove those bad reviews. But mm-hmm. if that's decentralized, there's no central beneficiary who can extort people into removing reviews like that. It's kind of crazy. That's actually really interesting because in my previous life before ICO Alert, I sold custom loyalty software to like SMEs, small restaurants, uh, retailers, boutique stores. And one of the first things they would say when I came in to do my cold pitch is, are you a review site? Are you like Yelp? So that must have been going on in Pittsburgh at least because I heard it at least four or five times where people would say, Yelp came in, they sold us on some kind of thing, wow. and we found out it was all bullshit. So it must have been that people... Door-to-door. Yeah, I did door-to-door stuff for a startup that I owned. So. No, I'm saying Yelp went door-to-door. Oh, I don't know what they were I don't know wow. what they were doing. They probably went door-to-door just to tell you, like, hey, you've got 3.5 or... I don't even know. What is Yelp at? 5 or 10? 5. I 5, yeah. yeah, so... I use it a lot, too. And I, that was definitely before Rob told me that they get paid to remove bad reviews because that's the whole purpose yeah i try and i use i use google reviews a lot now just because it's so convenient you just google something and Mm. it's right there but who knows they could potentially do the same thing yeah one of the reasons why these ratings to rob's point about people wanting other people to tell them what to do uh and where to invest their money is that there's not a lot of data like on the space in general. It's such a young, you know, it's such a young industry that there's not a lot of data even for these investing firms. I'm sure these investing firms, these hedge funds, they don't know where to get the information oh, yeah. from, so they want to be told. So, well, I think part of the problem is there's it requires so many prerequisites to mm-hmm. really understand what is a good investment in this space and what is a bad investment or what may be a good investment. Like you have to understand first tech in general, maybe like P2P networking, then you have to understand how the blockchain works. What are the the use cases that this blockchain is solving? Does this DAP need a token? There's so many things that you really have to understand before you can look at a bunch of ICOs and say, this one is good, this one is bad. So I think 
when people hit that wall, it's a very similar wall to when you're learning how to code where you're like going through these steps and you hit a wall. You're like, fuck, I have no idea how to do this part. <laughs> and you stop for three months and then you pick it up again. Yeah. That happened to me for like a whole year when I was learning how to code. Um, and I think it's a very similar wall with crypto investing because there's so much to know and there's so much misinformation out there that it's, it takes years to really sort through all the bullshit and be able to figure out on your own without going to somebody on Twitter or on a rating site, uh, be able to figure out you know which ones are good and which ones are bad. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break for a show disclaimer. Yo, Q. What's up, Ev? What is the ICO Alert Roundtable? The Roundtable is a casual discussion about current events and coins that we're passionate about. What isn't the ICO Alert Roundtable? The ICO Alert Roundtable isn't tax, legal, financial, professional, or any other kind of advice. For sake of transparency, members of this week's episode own the following coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, EOS, NEO, and Monero. Without further ado, let's get back into the roundtable. So this brings up any ICOs that we've listed recently or we've been in touch with recently that you'd like to bring up Q, do you have any good oh, wow. special ones you'd like to mention, maybe talk about? I know I have a couple that I'd like to talk about. I can start it off if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to steal one of yours, obviously, and talk about Pigsby, but we can talk about that together. <laughs> have you uh, heard of Pigsby, Rob? Have you seen that project? Yeah, I like Pigsby. I think they need more color options other than pink. Because uh, um, if if you have like a four-year-old boy, he's probably going to be like, eh, maybe I don't want the pink wallet. Yeah, so basically what Pigsby is, for those of you that, that haven't done any research on it. We'll uh, tell you what to invest in. Yeah. <laughs> this is not we'll a rating. <laughs> rating uh, 4.5 out of 5. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, that's complete fallacy. Do not come after me. Yeah, uh, yeah but Pigsby is pretty much like a cryptocurrency uh, piggy bank. Uh, and it's designed to be played by children. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Rob's Rob's turning down the AC. We're We're really... Really struggling against it right now. We're we got in we here. got two microphones. It's yeah. at seventy five degrees. Rob and I sharing the microphone. Yeah, that's exactly. why there's some awkward pauses between the both of us. Exactly. Like but, Pete and I last week. Exactly. But anyway, for Pigsby, go ahead and. Yeah, yeah. Pigsby is basically a cryptocurrency piggy bank that's designed to be played for kids, probably ages three to what eight. And basically, it, it, to your point, there's also a black. Uh, color that's that's designed to be used by the parents. Yeah. So it's a way for kids to earn and learn about cryptocurrency and tr- and have the actual product in their hands. It's- yeah. From what I saw, the black one is actually the cold storage, whereas the pink one is just it, it's just like a remote access to tell you how much they have. Mm-hmm. It can basically tell you how much is in their account, but it's never actually on that pink. Pigsby, whatever it is. But yeah. The, the thing that you brought up about Pigsby that I really liked is their mission wasn't to change the world. Uh, you see so many of these ICOs that come out and they're going to change real estate forever. The next Uber. Yeah. And it's just, the Pigsby was, it's it's just, it's wholesome. It's yeah. like, the, that's the first thing I got was, this is like a cool idea. It's not, it's not this major technical advanced AI thing that's going to make everyone smarter or change, you know, financial futures forever yeah, or whatever. Changing the future of children's investing <laughs> forever. Children's investing, yeah. <laughs> but another thing that really caught my eye, I have a a 7-year-old niece and she is addicted to the iPad. Yeah. So they love playing on apps on the iPad and it's really cool that you can, I guess, develop or Pigsby can develop or whoever it is, they, there's sort of a 
connection with the iPad where the, the controller, the Pigsby wallet becomes a controller for the iPad. Mm -hmm. And so if you have some kind of game, whether it's a learning game or not, kids who are using the Pigsby wallet can actually earn Wallow, that's the name of the coin on the platform, they can actually earn that through playing with the iPad. So kids, I mean, from what I've seen, they're addicted to that shit. So they're going to sit there and play with it all day. They're going to earn Wallow. I might just, you know, start having kids now with Jenny so we can start earning Wallow. So, <laughs> you know, we're, this is my get rich quick farm. Scheme. You have your Wallow farm going. Uh, one thing to, that to Rob's point, uh, I think it was when, when I first came to IC Alert, he was saying he was just we were just talking about cryptocurrency because I was learning the, you know, the ropes. And one of the things that he said was if there's going to be mass adoption, there, there can't be a friction point for people. People have to be using blockchain. They have to be using cryptocurrency and not know that yeah. they're using it. And that's what this is. Like they're essentially the kid's going to be playing a video game. And it's it's gonna she or he or she is gonna be interacting with cryptocurrency, gonna be interacting with a cold wallet, all of these things, and not even know. That's a really good point, and I think that it's especially true for DApps. Like as we see decentralized DApps come out, if you have to pay a transaction fee or even hold any kind of token to use the platform, it's not gonna be successful because mm. the barrier to entry for the average person is way too high. It needs to be something where they they don't even know they're using a blockchain or crypto. But I like Pigsby specifically. I remember you guys sent me a link a while ago. Um, and I watch your little promo video and all that good stuff. But I think in the same way that crypto has taught our generation to save a lot, like it's it's put us in this saving mindset to you know save and you'll get more later, um, which I think is something that has been lacking. I think it has the potential to do that now for younger kids and teach them about investing. Oh wow, I I played this game and I locked up these tokens and now I have more tokens. I should do that again or whatever the case may be. Hmm. That's interesting. I I didn't think about, I think we've talked about it, but I never really gave it much thought about cryptocurrency teaching us our generation about investing. Yeah. It's really a good marriage because cryptocurrency it satisfies that kind of, and I hate to use this, but like a millennial urge of, of <laughs> it, it can grow in 25 to 25% in, in a, a, day. a week yeah. as opposed to, oh, it, it was uh, 2018 to 2019, uh, 2% gains. Yeah, exactly. So I think it was a good... It, it was a good way to draw in the millennial crowd, even Definitely. though I hate people that talk about the millennial crowd condescendingly. Yeah. I mean, there's that meme that like, oh, I'm, I'm eating ramen this week so I can buy more crypto. But it's very true. <laughs> like, I even myself spend way less money than yeah. I used to so that I can buy more crypto and be more conscious of like a financial future. So that's crazy. Yeah, I would be at Rivers Casino every week <laughs> if we didn't have crypto. Instead, you're pulling the Bittrex shitcoin lever. Yeah, just exactly. Like which, one, which one am I bag holding now, baby? <laughs> the new slot machine. Yeah, there exactly. Uh, so speaking of cold wallets and hardware wallets, Ledger actually just came out with an announcement, update June 5th. They have the release of a new version of the Ledger wallet desktop. Uh, it's scheduled for July 9th, and they're actually going to have <clears throat> what looks like an iOS app on the phone. So I don't know necessarily what your guys' thoughts are on that, but does uh, it connect to the phone? It's so it looks like, like uh, this is a list manually? of the full features for the release: uh, native desktop application for Windows, Mac OS, Linux, uh, multi currencies, twenty eight cryptos, including Bitcoin, altcoins, Ethereum, Ripple, multi devices. Ledger Blue, I don't know what that is. Maybe Rob can speak on that. You don't want a Ledger Blue. Ledger Blue is just a more expensive version of the S that has a, a big screen on it, but it's stupid. You don't want it. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have a dashboard view of all assets. So I guess this is kind of like a software type thing that's a little bit more user-friendly for people. Gives you a portfolio view as compared to the Wake Up Neo or whatever Ipsen 
what is it, Latin? What does it say on the? Uh, uh, yeah, Varus uh, and numerous. And numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can send, receive account balances and history. Uh, it's in some other stuff, but anyway, what's what's your guys' feedback on this new release that's coming out? This looks cool. This is the first time I've heard about this, and the first time I'm seeing the screenshots. But it seems like a very obvious. I don't want to say attack, but it's almost like they're moving into sort of these tracking apps, which are naturally separate from your actual wallet, like Blockfolio and yeah. Delta and all these oh, other that things. Would be awesome. If this automatically syncs with all of the coins that are already on your ledger and they support them all, why do you need to manually enter them into Blockfolio mm. when they're already on your ledger? When you send 10 EOS out of your ledger, it can show yes. that minus 10 EOS automatically. You don't have to go in and choose the right price that you sold it at and all that bullshit that you have to do now, it'll just do it automatically. So this looks very cool. I'm excited about this. Yeah, I'm I'm I loved the update of that Delta did. I don't know if Blockfolio actually added this uh, update, but adding the API, so you the tracking API for Binance for uh, different exchanges, so that now all you have to do is get that API key from Binance, input it into Delta, and it has all the history. It has all of really uh, if you make a trade on Binance, it's tracking it do you, have to to the pay, second. do you have to pay for Delta? Yes. Mm. I, I, I don't know if I you have I just to... bought my coin stats. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they have it too. Maybe well, my coin stats has, uh, it's a pretty good, you give them your, you, you like scan the, uh, you know, it's a phone app. So yeah. you scan the uh, QR code for the wallet and it downloads the history, but it doesn't do, the thing that it doesn't do that I hope maybe Ledger will do, that it sounds like maybe you're talking the Delta thing does, mm -hmm. is if I have, say, you know, 20 Bitcoin in my wallet, it just starts tracking from the day that I put that on the MyCoinStats mm. app. So if I bought my 20 Bitcoin at $5, I'm up huge. But as far as MyCoinStats knows, you know, I'm at $7,800. So if it dips down to 6000 next week, my portfolio looks blood red, yeah. but really I'm, you know, You're balling up. out. So this looks interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see this as well. One of the cool things that the API key helps me do in Delta is track... Uh, obviously my my daily transactions without having to go in an input like Rob's saying. So if Ledger can do that, that's... Yeah, that's cool. That's crazy. I imagine they can. I mean, that seems like one extra feature to add. Yeah. If it's tracking all your coins in your actual Ledger and then you can go one step further and add an API key, that's awesome. It looks nice too. It looks nicer than any of the other crypto portfolio trackers out there. When is this coming out? I feel left out of the circle here. I've been okay. I see. It's, it. Right. Uh, it looks like scheduled July fifth. If if it really is able to track your stuff, I think that's the end of Blockfolio and oh Delta. Oh my god! And all that. What are that's, they gonna do? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> wow. It, that's a big die. thing too. Is if say you have crypto portfolios out there, but you never got a ledger. Once you get a ledger, then you have to update all your shit on Blockfolio because you're in completely different wallets now. Exactly. So if you're just you know if you just move into Ledger, then now it's all there. So that looks, that seems like a pretty cool update. Keep an eye out for that. Again, that's on July 9th. Hopefully hmm. I said that right the first time. Yeah, so I lied. So it's Rob, July this, 9th. Is a this is a technical question for you. Uh, if I purchase Bitcoin on Coinbase, mm -hmm. can I track that uh, specific like Bitcoin? Uh, I'm trying to even think, like I'm struggling to even think of the word that I would use. But that amount, say I bought 0.5 Bitcoin mm -hmm. and I moved it to Binance, the API key from Binance would pick that up, that right. it was deposited. But is there any way that I could track it from Coinbase? Like, does it have a specific ID that Ledger can track? Like, okay, they purchased, it was purchased on January 5th on Coinbase, moved to Binance, 
and then is on the ledger. Oh, wallet. that's interesting. I think that would take some additional programming, but it's technically possible because okay. you could use a Coinbase API key. It could identify the Binance wallet you're sending to as Binance. Gotcha. And then do it that way. But okay. when your coins are on Coinbase or Binance, they're all on the same wallet as everybody else's coins. So it would just show it like, oh, this half of Bitcoin is coming out of Coinbase's main Bitcoin wallet mm -hmm. going into Binance's main Bitcoin wallet. Okay, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Makes sense. All right, well... Uh, moving right along here, we also have some news from Coinbase. Looks like they're getting ready to enter the Japanese market. So this is according to the Wall Street Journal. Coinbase Inc., the operator of the largest U.S. cryptocurrency exchange, setting up shop in Japan where much of the world's Bitcoin trading takes place. So this seems like a pretty big move. It's pretty bullish for Japan's uh, crypto economy as well. Especially after losing Binance. That's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Because I, I, I'm pretty sure that Binance was located in Japan. Was it Japan or Hong Kong? It was. I think it was both. I, we have to go back. Hold on. Yeah, so um, I know Binance moved to Malta. There's a ton of crypto companies popping up all over Malta. I actually just got a LinkedIn invitation from some guy trying to invite me as a VIP to some Malta cryptocurrency, which I was considering because... Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's such a happening place for crypto right now. I, I don't even know where Malta is, though. I'm sorry to all you Maltanese out there. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, it's somewhere out there. I get emails from people in the Cayman Islands who are like, hey, send up a crypto company. Do it in Cayman. Like, come on over. It's like, eh, I don't know. They're kind of using that as, as a way to boost the economy of that, that nation. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I read something. I don't know if this is factually accurate or not, but it was a headline in an article that said Binance moving to Malta was going to increase their total GDP by like 30%. Just by this gracious. one company moving to Malta, because Malta on its own is a fairly small country. I believe it's an island. They call it Blockchain Island now. Wow. That's, wow. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm reading that the company, so Binance had offices and server locations. So I don't know which was which, mm. but off, offices and server locations in South Korea, Japan, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. Uh, so either way, they're mo they moved from Japan to Malta, and now Coinbase is moving not moving, but adding an existing or another location in Japan. That's that's very interesting to me. That makes sense. How, How do they if, differ? Is it going to be just their servers? Because if they're putting servers over there, it makes sense for like latency for their Japanese customers. Okay. But and to your point about you don't know if it was offices or servers. I think from a legal standpoint, it doesn't matter because Hong mm. Kong, for example, if you have servers there, they're going to apply their local laws to those servers because jurisdictionally that's where they're based. Okay. So like if you host, this is why a lot of people like Pirate Bay, for example, was hosting their servers in some country that didn't extradite to the US and didn't have all these um, same laws that the US had to kind of get around a lot of those regulations. So it's really more about where your server is based. Gotcha. I don't know if this is new, if this is part of the news or if this guy had always been the CEO, but it says they named... Sorry for your name butchering. Now Kitazawa, a former Morgan Stanley banker like turned fintech executive, as oh no, as its new oh Japan CEO. Okay, I thought maybe they named him as the CEO, and he was like, uh, "We must go to Japan," <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what happened. So he's the uh, Japanese CEO, and it, it also says that uh, Coinbase is in 32 countries, including Singapore, but it lacks a significant presence in Asia. So maybe that's just why they're trying to. I, you know what's an interesting question? If Coinbase ends up going to Japan, like this says, there's going to be some crypto um, Japanese yen pairing, right? Mm -hmm. What does that do to the Forex market between Japanese yen and U.S. dollars or other places where Coinbase is prevalent? Hmm. I, it's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't have... think the volume is, is there yet. 
for for something like an added Bitcoin pair to affect the forex market, just because I don't know what that volume is, but it's a massive amount of money, um, billions if not trillions of dollars yeah. over a certain period of time. So I, I don't think it would affect it yet, but it definitely has the potential to affect it in the future. Yeah, that would be a good question to ask Dima as well. I'd love to hear his answer on that. Yeah, and I wonder if eventually Coinbase would move in. I don't know why they would, but why, how could it not essentially be a Forex trading platform? You just flip into a crypto and then back out into Chinese yen, or wow. I'm sorry, Japanese yen. I mean, it could be used for that, right? Technically. Yeah. If you're using a VPN or whatever you got to do to do it. So I think that's an interesting perspective. I think another interesting thing, to your point, Q, uh, earlier when we were talking about Blockfolio and the Ledger app and Adapt or Die, um, I think we might see something similar with Coinbase, where Coinbase, the biggest complaint people have is that they don't have enough coins listed. They have four coins listed, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, and Litecoin. And we're seeing now other exchanges that are even targeting institutional customers and other customers in the US, like NASDAQ's DX exchange, I believe Mm -hmm. is what it's called, um, that's going to have 130 plus pairs and launches later this month in June. So USD pairs? Yeah, they're going to have fiat pairs as well. So fiat to crypto, crypto to, to fiat, wow. 130 plus pairs. Um, all they've mentioned so far that they're including are the top six by market cap. But I would imagine it's going to look more like the top 130 by market cap, maybe with a few exclusions. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that that Coinbase is taking their time with listing these altcoins because I think it can get out of hand. Oh, definitely. Especially with the with the payments and trying to kind of bid to get your... What do you mean? They already listed Bcash. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Speaking of Bcash, I wanted to point out that my dad texted me this morning, literally verbatim, it says, did you see the value of Bitcoin Cash? <laughs> <laughs> so I, told, I literally texted him back and said, dad, go to sleep. Nice. Because that's not happening. There you go. Uh, but anyways, back to the point. Um, yeah, I think it, it can get out of hand, but you're right. They do list Bitcoin Cash, so maybe you just yeah. poked a huge hole in my theory. The one thing my dad says, I, I had breakfast with my dad yesterday. He's like on the end of his cross-country road trip or whatever. Nice. And he was like, the biggest crypto company is going to be the one that makes it easy for me to buy anything. Because he hates that he has to go into Coinbase, yep. buy Ether, send it to Binance, wait for it to show up, then buy EOS, then transfer it out. He just wants a simple way to to do it all in one place. So if that becomes somebody like Coinbase, great. If it's somebody like DX Exchange, they may eat Coinbase's lunch. We'll mm. see. Interesting. Where'd your dad go cross country? They went all over. They drove 9,000 miles. Him what? and his wife. Yeah. 9,000 miles. There are a bunch of photos in like a shared photo album that I have on my phone, but it's crazy. Grand that Canyon. Is- they went up through Canada and, and apart. It was a 50 day trip. Oh my 9, goodness. 9,000 miles. That has last to be stop. like a, down and around. Oh, they went all around. Okay. Yeah. They went, I think they started, they went down through Florida and New Orleans and all the way over, mm-hmm. hit San Francisco, looped back, went up to Canada and visited France. It was crazy. No, they did it in a rental car. Oh, my goodness. Like a, a small, I wouldn't call it an SUV, I'd call it more of a crossover. They did it in like a white Toyota crossover. Did the, the rental car company know that there was going to be 5,000 miles <laughs> put on that car? Or 9,000. I think so. I think they found a, a company specifically that had like an unlimited mileage ah. thing and like checked into it. So I'm sure they'll be a little shocked when they pull into that parking lot. Absolutely. We'll see. That's awesome. All right. Well, since uh, the ICO Alert Roundtable is now the most popular podcast due to Q and I being the hosts. Yep. <laughs> uh, I wanted to see if we could give some uh, some shout outs to our commenters on YouTube. I know the, the comments are just flying off the shelves to comment on our 
on our YouTube video or our SoundCloud. You said we had one comment, basically. Yeah, we have so. one comment. One, grand <laughs> so total of one comment let's, on let's our give him, table. Let's give them some props and hopefully kind of try to coax some people in the future to comment on our stuff. Yeah, guys, please do comment uh, on our YouTube videos. I think does SoundCloud have an ability to comment on those videos? Yeah, you can comment on SoundCloud. Okay, SoundCloud. And we'll, we'll probably, what we'll probably do is start asking questions on Twitter as well and see if we get any engagement from you guys. Uh, but the one guy did ask a question says... Provosh Gotak. So that's, I probably butchered your name. Sorry, Provosh. Uh, thanks, man. Super helpful video. What's your opinion about Sidex? I've been following them for seems a while like a now. Shill. Is that, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like Rob Schilling. Apparently, yes. <laughs> Apparently, they're not even listed on icoalert.com. So, in my opinion, they don't exist. Uh, what is your thoughts? Are you pulled up the well, landing yeah, page? Pull, pull up the, yeah, pull up the uh, website. All I right, think we'll you can, pull up the you can find them through various. Here. Is it C Y D E X? No, no, no. Sidex, like science. Oh, okay. Like S C I. Yes, that's how you do that. God damn it. Sidex. The site can't be reached. It's .co. For the first time, billions of dollars worth of isolated scientific S-C-I-E-D-E-X. data will be traded. S-C-I-E-D-E-X. S-C-I-D-E-X. You're killing me, man. Oh, why would I think that? Sorry. Science. Yeah. I was trying to actually spell out science like <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from just from looking, uh, taking an initial look, obviously you want to uh, take a deeper dive than the 30 seconds I've been looking at this, but... Uh, the website's put together pretty nicely. Um, so scientific data, I mean, there's a... Sh- did, what is this? Is that a Monero logo there? See. Sideways? Alex Buziz. I think that's their logo. Oh. <laughs> so they just took Monero's logo and turned it sideways. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Is this running on oh Monero's platform? Oh, my God, it does. How does that even work? Um, so, yeah, I guess decentralized exchange for science data? I don't know. I don't know. This feels like one of those things where people go a little too niche. Like there are already yeah. data trading platforms that I don't think are very successful as it is. Maybe this will prove me wrong and be trading a lot of data. But I also think that they're lacking the proper infrastructure to even make something like this successful. I did a podcast a long time ago with, I think it was Datum. And we were talking about like, oh, if you're tracking each of these data points that are sold individually, aren't those all individual transactions? And he was like, well, yes, but that's coming later because you don't uh, want to pay a transaction fee later. for everything. So yeah. it's, I think a lot of these capabilities aren't even possible yet with current platforms like Ethereum. Yeah, I think the the scaling debate is one that we've touched on a lot. Um, but data is definitely something where uh, blockchain is going to have a massive effect. Yeah. So um yeah, we. I mean, we wish good luck to Sidex. Uh, please, if you're listening to this, tell. If you're the, trying to shield something, just comment on our YouTube channel. <laughs> and we'll, we'll reach out and we'll give you a 10 second review. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's an A plus review too. Yeah. yeah if Sidex, if you're listening to us, uh, please reach out to us so that you can get listed on ICO Alert. That's the only way. Yeah, you got to get listed. Yeah, it's the, it's the only way. We maybe, have high quality clicks. Maybe we'll. Our uh, clicks turn into conversions. Wow. You are really really shilling right now. All All right. right. So uh, did you guys have anything else uh, to close out this podcast? 
Yeah, shill a little bit. Yeah, a little shill. Um, if you do hold any EOS tokens, head over to cypherglass.com. C-Y-P-H-E-R glass.com. You can take a look at our video, why you should vote for us. We're investing tons and tons of money into dedicated infrastructure to make sure that EOS, uh, the entire EOS network stays online, stays secure, and uh, you can send transactions for free. So take a look at us, and maybe you'll cast your vote our way if you'd like. I know I am. All right. Thanks for coming in and talking to us, Rob. We appreciate it. Yeah. This has yeah, thanks, been... Rob. This has been another very successful. I think we're trending up. I think we are. There's only one place to go right now, big dog. <laughs> one comment. Let's go. That one comment. Shoot let's for two sh- next shoot week. Shoot for two next week. <laughs> Love right. it. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Later, guys. ICO Alert maintains the only trusted comprehensive list of pre-ICOs and initial coin offerings. This Pittsburgh-based startup has grown to serve over 1 million users in less than a year. But how did it get started? Well, at first, the company was just an online tool for two brothers, Mike and Rob Finch, to keep a calendar of their favorite ICOs. After just a few months, the team has grown to over 14 team members and produced hundreds of ICO reports. These in-depth reports feature exclusive interviews and offer insight into past, active, and future ICOs. Head on over to ICOalert.com, meet the team, and use their game-changing My Portfolio function. Track your favorite blockchain projects. Become your own venture capitalist. Only at ICOalert.com. Thank you.